Hello and welcome to Bullet Points Monthly Podcast dot zone dot don't swallow like that that was disgusting sorry and if, if you I'm think just, I'm, I'm just lubricating up the old pipes if you think i'm gonna edit that out <laughs> you have you have another thing coming it's just uh, a this, big big gulp anticipating what we're discussing yeah you should be worried mm. <laughs> uh this is the the bullet points podcast first episode in quite a while turns out that uh when the people who you previously uh, counted on and trusted to help you run a website leave you uh, completely on your own. <laughs> it's uh, difficult to find time to record podcasts. That said, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, the man oh, that's who, special. who never met a video game he didn't like. Edward Smith, am I pronouncing that correctly? Oh, oh, reliable. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Stick with it. (laughs) Yeah, the tenacious (laughs) Edward Smith. I'm just joking. Okay. (laughs) But honestly, it's hard hard to do a podcast on top of a website. It's hard. Of course. You know? uh, I think you should do it, but with, um, with you doing an impersonation of my voice. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I, I think that is true, Reed. I think you're better than me. <laughs> well, thank you, Ed. You what know, else I've... do you think? I think I'm a big stupid jerk. <laughs> I was thinking back to the articles I wrote that didn't agree with yours, and I think they were wrong now. <laughs> oh, is that true, Ed? Yeah, I'm English. <laughs> <laughs> if you say I'm English enough, you can tell that it's... Uh, it's it's you, it's a hundred percent you. Mm. Um, so, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, mm. 2019, not to be confused with Call of Duty: Four: Modern Warfare, 2007, both created by the same studio, which I'm sure isn't the same people. Um, but that's the game. That's the game we wanted to look at here. I played this and I wrote. Uh, something about it for EGM that I'll link and I don't know I might like to write about it more in the future if there's a good opportunity to but Ed I don't play video games anymore Smith sent me a message saying I oh I played this (laughs) (laughs) I played I don't play video games but I like Call of Duty and Madden and FIFA (laughs) (laughs) and I said well that's nice do you want to do you want to talk about it you said yeah I wanna and so that's what we're doing here Ed why did you this is maybe the first question why'd you Mm. why this one that's it I've actually not I've actually not thought about that I haven't really thought about how I might answer that question um I think that there were several moments while I was playing it, and I'm talking about the campaign mode here, not the multiplayer. There were several moments, several moments while I was playing it, where I was quite astounded by what was happening, what I was seeing, and what I was hearing, mm-hmm. and really felt like I had to get what I was thinking off my chest, or else I would go insane. Um, I've I've talked about this game to my girlfriend who has never I don't think you know completed a video game in her life. I've mm. talked about it to people who haven't played it who would usually play video games, um, and I, I just really want to. It's one of those moments I think where I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, where you get the sense that a lot of people are enjoying something, some movie or TV show or you know a video game and. <clears throat> you you really don't enjoy it, and you you start to wonder whether whether it is just you. And I I think I wanted to do this to work out whether it was just me, whether I was getting something wrong, whether I was misunderstanding something, because the reviews. So I'm going to be sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say I'm going to be curious because I think this is one of the cases which I think is this is increasingly the case as you know over the last uh, maybe four or five years where. Uh, sort of what's left of the mainstream review apparatus and games 
is I think increasingly distant from a lot of the people who uh, might be writing the articles or having the discussions on social media about the games. Um, <clears throat> so I wonder because I know, you know, I don't I don't know if you've been keeping up with people's opinions about it, but um, I tried to keep my head down until I wrote the thing I wrote and not look too much into what other people were saying because often people <clears throat> I think dismiss Call of Duty out of hand when which I think is fair in a lot of cases but there's often something going on in these games that's a bit more interesting than it gets credit for um, but I think the, the tenor of the conversation about it right now is that this game is like kind of irresponsible with how it handles a lot of things how it how it handles um, kind of the, the current political and geopolitical situation and international political situation and more recent history so i'm kind of curious if you will be uh sort of distant from a lot of what's being said about it Mm. um I, I, i i can say that my view on it out of the gate is that rather than mishandling those things it doesn't handle them at all yeah so i guess i should probably introduce it a little bit quickly yeah. i think you know like all of these podcasts this will be um better to listen to i think if you've played the game or or i guess if you have no interest in playing it and you just want to kind of hear about different bits of it and overall impression but this game is sort of like a it's like a reimagining kind of it's like it does and doesn't acknowledge the fact that the old um modern warfare one through three happened um i don't know maybe we'll touch on that as we go on it's it's not super interesting it's kind of like um like almost like a comic book style or like those spider-man movies where they're just like hey okay it's still the same characters just different people are playing them now so this game is set in 2019 rather than uh, i think the other ones were set in 2007 2008 um set in 2019 and you switch between the roles of a cia agent codenamed alex which is a a poor codename um or maybe it's perfect because no one thinks twice about an alex uh so you switch between him and an sas i don't know what his position is sergeant i think named kyle garrick and and here's a big thing to talk about uh a woman named farah who lives in the fictional not syria not iraq not afghanistan country of urzikstan urzikstan which is certainly a choice it's yeah so you switch between the three of them and the idea is that uh urzikstan has been occupied by uh russian military forces kind of like a i guess they're officially sanctioned but they're led by this sort of maniacal breakaway general uh they they were occupied in i think the late 90s by russia and militants there's like the non the not isis not al-qaeda group that's like a terrorist group whose goal seems to be to make people in the west upset about what russia is doing by launching terrorist attacks and they are trying to get their hands on chemical weapons and so you're playing in cia and sas and local militia friendly militia led by this farah who are trying to stop them and stop the russians it's there's like a lot of factions and the fact that it's like a fictional country set up in the first place and like fictional events based on real history kind of makes everything i think a lot more confusing than it needs to be but anyway that's the setup so i guess the ed where do you want to start with that i think i'm i'm uncertain whether to start sort of gently and incline into what I really want to say or to just start with No, start with it and we'll start with it. We'll circle around. Because I don't okay. I don't I'll say up front I don't 
I like aspects of this game. I don't like it in general. So I don't want to just entirely say this stuff is all shit, even though I think there's a lot of bad stuff in this game. There were parts when I was playing it where I was really enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. And where I was really impressed with it visually. And I was really enjoying the action. And I was actually quite engrossed and quite invested in some of the drama. There were some there were some levels where it really mattered to me what was about to happen and what was going to happen. And there was some that the game presents a series of I suppose binary moral choices. And there was I'd say there's at least one of them where it felt like what I chose had some significance on at least that sequence, at least that scene. I mean it's the scene where it's a, fairly late in the game and as part of the SAS team you've successfully captured one of the terrorist lieutenants and you have him <clears throat> you have him tied to a chair and you need to extract some information from him and you leave the room to go and collect something from a van and uh, another guy says you know what's in there he says oh a truth serum and you open the van and it's the guy's wife and kid and then you have to sort of escort them into the interrogation room and kind of hold them at gunpoint to make him talk, like threaten to kill them. And then you have the choice to, you know, leave him alive or execute him. And I, I executed him because I felt like the, the characters I was playing really wanted to do that and, and didn't really have much compunction about doing that. Mm-hmm. And it felt like quite a quite a, a meaningful moment because I think that there's a few moments where the game tries to cast shadows and sort of set fire to the house of I guess what you call the coalition forces, the western forces and certainly the sort of special ops and you know um, um, like black operations tier of the military is <clears throat> is portrayed as um, having extremely or sort of extreme morals I suppose you know in the sense that mm-hmm. they'll do whatever they think they need to do in order to accomplish their military objectives Mm-hmm. And that I actually found that quite thrilling in places because, um, for for a variety of reasons, one I think that it's it, it creates a, an interesting moral ambiguity, and secondly I also think it makes for quite quite moving, well, not moving, but quite evocative spectacle. I think brutality um, can be sort of quite memorable visually and quite sort of stark. So there are there are certainly a handful of moments where I felt like I was playing a, a game that had, you know, pardon for this like really really sort of sexist metaphor, but playing a game that had balls. But then, and I'm, I mean, this is make yourself comfortable, right? Because I've got like two or three minutes here. <laughs> talking. Okay, have you seen uh, Joker? Did you go and see the, uh, Todd Phillips' Joker? No. I was, okay. I was too worried that there would be an incident in the theaters from an incel rising. So I, I d- do you mind having Joker ruined for you? I mean, no, I, I don't. I wonder if the people listening... Well, listen, if, if you haven't seen Joker and the intricacies of Joker <laughs> are important to you... And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mocking. Like, if you want to see Joker and you, you want to have a good time and... Um, you don't want to know the answers to a lot of it's that the mysteries that the narrative presents then does um, he become joker <laughs> well actually hmm. uh i i turned down the volume now and come back in about 30 seconds but basically call of duty modern warfare reminded me a lot of joker um in in joker there are several moments where the film sort of glances upon uh, a point, you know, a statement, some sort of conviction. There's a scene where the the Whacking Phoenix character is riding the subway home and he sees a young woman being sort of teased and berated and cajoled and bullied by a group of, you know, kind of inebriated, very boisterous men, right? And mm-hmm. you think, okay, you know, he's going to step in here and, and intervene and protect her. And that's maybe an interesting statement to say that the one person that he feels some of empathy for, this... this Outsider, this maligned person with you know schizophrenia is is a woman. That's a, that's a sort of comment upon society. But then, actually, it's only when the men sort of turn their violence towards him 
and leave her alone that he like reacts so he's not protecting the woman mm. he's protecting himself mm. then there's a moment where uh, he he befriends and sort of starts a, a relationship with this young black woman who lives in the same apartment building and again it seems like this interesting sort of implication that the only person that he can truly empathise with and who empathises with him is this black woman who's living on um, welfare and who's a single mother and obviously is you know a black woman living in America in the 1970s there's a sort of interesting implication there that they are the two souls that sort of understand one another but then it's revealed that the relationship was all in his head and actually they were never in a relationship so mm. that you know the film kind of backs out of it right mm-hmm. and then there's a scene where he grabs a pair of scissors and he stabs this guy in the neck this friend of his he stabs him in the neck and kills him but he's with another friend at the same time and he lets him go so you've got this explosion of violence but then it's sort of you know we, we back away from it because he lets the other guy go joker is not such a bad guy after all right mm-hmm. and then finally you know he becomes the sort of figurehead for this eat the rich anti-capitalistic grassroots political movement this sort of you know occupy wall street thing and they're away in clown masks and he's he's their masthead but then he goes on television and he gives an interview where he says I don't really care about all of this politics it's not of no interest to me so again the film kind of backs away from that right mm-hmm. so what you end up with and then there's like implications throughout that everything is happening may just be in his imagination that it may all be uh, in media res and it might be a dream that he's having while he's in a psychiatric hospital and basically the film kind of backs away from ever making a, a contentious statement and that's because it's a, it's a studio picture mm. and it's not going to offend or, or sort of distance anybody who might have the money to spend on a ticket right um, so every time it gets close to making any sort of asset, uh, assertion it, it pulls back you know it always leaves the audience a way out basically of anything that the audience might find challenging because it doesn't really want to put them off from, from watching Joker 2 or whatever and that's frustrating because obviously the film postulates and poses as, as being very controversial and very sort of hard to tolerate and, and very challenging and, and, and very sort of uh, against the grain and, and not of the sort of studio superhero film mold. But it absolutely is. It's a DC you know, product uh, uh, you know, and, and, and sanded and, and kind of smooth as much as any of these other movies. And you're saying too that like modern warfare like it so what i'm saying it, is that modern it warfare actually is doing does some of this same. stuff no i'm saying i'm or, saying that basically modern warfare to me is extremely similar in this way to, uh, to joker so the scene that i mentioned before where you execute the guy who's strapped to the chair mm. and i was i was playing that and sort of watching and listening to it thinking wow you know that okay there's there's some conviction there there's some there's some um moxie if you like there's some nails but then in the next scene, you know, you, you, you have your character in a cutscene kind of say, God, was that was that the right thing for us to do? And Captain Price kind of replies and says, yeah, you know, we just got to do what we've got to do sometimes. And the game kind of gives you that sort of moral reserve parachute. Right? See, I thought that was... And, and kind of... Sorry. Do you think that was more kind of I... implicative of the characters? I did, but I don't think the game implicates the characters in the end. I did think uh, the part when they're driving yeah. away, though, and I forget what Price says. He says something about, like, defining where your line is for this stuff, which to me yeah. was chilling because it did seem like something of, you know, he, your so, human instinct is to be revolted by this, but you need to think for yourself and determine for yourself as this kind of, like, special operative this who's not really recognized formally what you think you can handle to do what you think is right, which is, I think, terrifying. So I think that on paper, the dialogue might tell that story, but I think the game kind of aesthetically tells one that's very different because you've got, you know, that the, mm-hmm. during just that sequence, and there are several others, you know, they're, they're lit in a way that makes them look very sort of powerful and cool and sort of moody. Um, the voice acting has this sort of like, that they're, they're quite sort of appealing characters, I think, visually. And throughout the rest of the game, are mm-hmm. are depicted quite heroically, especially in the conclusion. I think that you are basically supposed to look at them, and and regard their kind of de- like their their sort of coldness almost as coolness, and regard their sort of pragmatism as effective and as heroic. You know the fact that they kind of uh, absolve themselves of all morality almost becomes like a part of their heroism. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, so you know they're they're willing to kind of burn their own souls, like immolate themselves for the sake of you know the, the homeland, right? Yeah, and I think I think, he, I think he actually says something like you know we get dirty so the world doesn't have to. You know, it's yeah, to be like self-sacrificial what they're doing. Um, um and they're sorry, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say I think this is where I end up on this game is that the thing that makes it more frightening than it maybe even appears at first is that it has all this ambiguity and it says everyone like no one's hands are clean essentially in these these different governments represented in this but these guys who are doing these things that you don't want to think about and that kind of turn your stomach are ultimately heroic because now modern warfare is to to, to fight these things we have to sort of pardon these like tortured souls who go out there and do things mm. that are, we don't even want our governments to say are okay which to me mm. is very fucked up the mm. idea that like you know it, it's like saying like someone went out there and they shot a kid in in the process of tracking down a you know a terrorist and stopping a bomb threat or something and okay so you don't like that and you don't want your government to say that's okay but morally, we have to be okay because that's how things are now. We have to, mm. you know, everyone else in the world, except for essentially the West in these games, is worse than we are, even if we're bad. You know, it's like this weird thing of saying like, yeah, yeah, no, we hear you. We hear you that uh, American and, and British forces have done fucked up, horrible things. But they're still heroic in spite of that because they're for whatever reason that's not fully articulated other than maybe that they're like great individuals with better consciences than foreign people we need to allow them or or to forgive them for doing what they do mm. you know absolutely absolutely and i think that there's an irony in the way that they're presented in modern warfare which is not to sort of reveal and shock you with what they're doing but kind of show it to you so that you'll you know almost like metaphorically speaking fall on your knees and thank them for the fact that they're doing these things it's not a sort of uh, expose i don't think so much as um uh, a celebration and there's it it happens like throughout the game so there's 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 i think there's two there's two no there's one scene relating to the sort of coalition forces that i really want to speak to you about and then there's, mm -hmm. there's certain things about the farrah um, I guess kind of Middle Eastern characters that I think is worth really discussing. So mm -hmm. there are two sequences. In fact, the, the film borrows. I, I say, but I, I think that actually one of the mistakes that game critics have made over the years is that they are happy to describe a game as inspired by X film when actually it's just it's just copying. Okay? This one even more nakedly than like anything since like I think maybe the first Call of Duty. Yeah, it was. We're in like lawsuit territory, I think here, because yeah. there's 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 one level which is you know the raid on Bin Laden's compound, basically from Zero Dark Thirty, and it, it's 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 beat for beat, you know, even down to the the moment where someone shoots through the door and one of the soldiers shoots back with his mm -hmm. like silenced M4. That's that's a moment from from Zero Dark Thirty, um, and the bits like you know they're, they're, even the sort of architecture of the house is very similar to how Bin Laden's compound is shown in in the film. Um, and just the sort of, um, you know, obviously the, the visual aesthetic, the night vision, the sort of sounds of the weaponry, it's, it's completely stolen from that sequence. In fact, they do it twice. They have, they have one that's kind of inspired by it, I guess, more in the opening, maybe third of the game. And then there's one later on, which is just, I think, Same the thing. Zero Dark, yeah, just the Zero Dark Thirty sequence, almost like carbon copied. And that Benghazi, that Michael Bay... Benghazi movie. I don't know if you saw that. Thirteen hours. Just an unbelievable work of, uh, of, <laughs> like, feel like you're losing your mind and have traveled back to the 1930s. Uh -huh. uh, uh, propaganda film. Thirteen hours. The secret soldiers of Benghazi. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, the the raid on the embassy in in this game is uh, everything architecturally is uh, the same. That. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the thing that I think chilled me to the bone about this game, and and not because the game intended for me to be chilled to the bone, it was a very specific moment. Now, 
How many times have you seen Zero Dark Thirty? I know you've watched it once, and you were not very inclined towards it. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, it's, I remember I, aspects it, of it. I, I think it's seriously worth revisiting because I think it's it's one of the defining films of the past ten or so years. I think it's terrific because it, I think it's it's such a subtle, at times subtle, but also actually very very didactic anti-war movie and. Mm-hmm. The raid on Bin Laden's compound in Zero Dark Thirty is presented as basically a horror film from the point of view of the monsters, where you know you're with the SEAL team, but what they're doing is 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 brutal and cold, and you know sort of terrifying in its efficiency and in their their very sort of workmanlike attitude. And the Al Qaeda Al Qaeda defenders of the house are presented basically as victims rather than you know enemies, right? Mm. You know they kind of go through the house and there's that sort of very sort of thump thump, you know, that very dispassionate silenced weapons. They're shoot, shooting the bodies while they're on the floor to make sure they're definitely dead. He kind of kills one of the combatants' wives. There's children screaming and crying. You know, it's it's, it's, it's presented as like a murder, mm-hmm. essentially, um, and and opens the film up to this <clears throat> raft of ambiguities about the American action during that that period. Now, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare borrows a lot of that. You have kids in this level you have like a woman grabbing a gun which becomes a sort of comment on you know who is and who isn't a, a combatant in modern warfare you know is it is it colder to kill someone just because they were married to a certain guy right and, and all of this kind of stuff mm-hmm. but it's presented in a way that i think is a lot sort of sexier um and then what happens at the end this is this is where my kind of jaw um and the the carpet made contact when you've finished you've got to like the third floor and you've killed the guy in, in his bedroom and like his kids are crying and whatever and you come back down to the first floor you see a young mum now bear in mind you've just shot her husband her friend's husband's at least one of her friends mm-hmm. in front of her children right and there's a one SAS soldier has got his arm around one of the kids and she's kind of saying, give me my son, give me my son. And he lets the son go, and the, the son and the mum hug. And what she does is she, she says, thank you. She goes, thank you. And then Captain Price speaks to her, and he says, you know, where is, where is the wolf, which is the terrorist that they're looking for? And she just tells him outright, mm-hmm. okay? And then he says to her, okay, you're safe now. And she doesn't yeah. say anything. And just kind of, like, quite humbly goes and sits down. And the game in that moment is kind of like, it's the Zero Dark Thirty shootout, but... Now the coalition of the heroes is presented like without irony. And in fact, it makes it seem like this woman whose family you've just, you know, murdered in the night mm-hmm. is like grateful to you. you know, well, and it, it, it flattens and there's a lot in this game of this. And I think <clears throat> we should talk at least a decent amount about the idea to have a fictional setting for this is it flattens all the nuance of... I think it's perverse. Well, I mean, this uh, it, that part for sure, a hundred percent. And I think there's like it, it it ignores the fact that part of what makes a lot of this stuff really frightening and difficult in, in terms of real world things is that if you went and did a night raid like that, and part of what's and and not justifying, you know, say uh, someone does this, say this was the actual scenario. Um, like the people who live, it's it's not like women and children, <clears throat> if they're not combatants in these scenarios, are just hostages. Like yeah. they, like sure, maybe you can argue about the psychology of of being held hostage to an ideology or something, but like it, it's it's almost like feeding into the idea that a woman, like a woman, brought up in this environment you know people have different opinions but if you are living with someone who's radicalized and they they also shy away from saying what the ideology that, exactly I, I, is I, I really want to get into that there's something about that that i re- yeah sorry sorry um but so this woman say her only thing is that she hates britain but they hate Russia. They keep sticking on that. They just hate the superpowers. I think is the yeah. implication. Or, but but then again, we don't know. I think the fact that like Russia is is presented as the the sort of tyrant in this world is itself a, you know a, a 
huge like perversion and it's like it's, when she says thank you it's protecting the player it's really protecting the audience mm-hmm. from from any sort of particularly challenging moral quandary because like, they, they know that the majority are going to be british and american players yeah well and unsurprisingly too i've heard that uh this game i think it was pulled off certain certain uh, storefronts and stuff or physical copies were pulled in russia which mm. obviously you know don't don't pull the copies but i can see why there's outrage you know mm. it's it's a disgusting thing to do to say <clears throat> you imagine what americans would think if if they had the you know afghan soviet war and they just turned it <laughs> the exact Into same the, time yeah. period and it was americans uh well i mean americans have and and brits and canadians have run roughshod over afghanistan too but um oh, saying. of course but uh yeah there's something just really like imagine this because i do think there are aspects of the night raid thing that are effective like it is chilling the just like the 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 unequal but i mean the original modern warfare i think did this already just how unequal it is that these operators come in with their you know state-of-the-art technology and weapons and there are people who are trying to see in the dark just sort of blindly firing guns and then these guys kind of come in and it's just like a scalpel right Mm. um and i i do think those kind of things are inherently interesting and inherently kind of suggest something that the game isn't really interested in exploring not in the way that like the 2007 modern warfare was um but imagine the sequence if it complicated things if if the women and children were you know, I'm not saying I don't like to say this is how you should design it, but imagine they were in your way, that they were trying mm. to stop you from moving through the next room. Um, you know, that you had to push them away or zip tie them or like just something that makes it less like I don't know. They're trying to say this thing that everyone's a combatant. How can you tell? But the game is like, well, once a room has one enemy who's shooting at you that you need to make stop shooting at you and then the other people in it who are crying and wailing that's the extent of their emotion they're made helpless once the other person is dead which is mm. so clean like it's so just sort of i don't know i i was excited like not excited is the wrong term i was hopeful that this game with a lot of the brutality in it which i think is something call of duty games need but it needs to be deployed in the right way. I was, this game looked like it was going to make you feel bad and make you feel kind of gross. And I thought that was an interesting thing that they could do while still having their kind of action movie framework. Mm. Um, and I don't think that feeling comes across too often in this game. I don't think it comes across uh, like barely. I think that, I think that the, the, the thing that I find so kind of inescapable about the game is how it, it like like I was talking about with Joker is how it constantly gives the player um, an excuse a, a kind of uh, a way out an escape a, a way to kind of recuse themselves from you know vicarious sort of national responsibility mm-hmm. and I think that undoubtedly it's on the side of the sort of westerners and the interventionists and um, essentially you know Europeans and Americans and there are other examples but I think that for the sake of time I guess we should talk because I, I, I actually it, it, they're one and the same thing mm-hmm. you know we, we talked about the fact that the um, sort of terrorist organ- so you've got, you've got Russia uh, which is represented by essentially one character whose name I think is like Barkov or something and he's just this you know, extremely arch sadistic kind of raving lunatic character who it's very difficult to take seriously and then you've got yeah the kind of middle eastern not al-qaeda not isis um not the taliban group and i remember and you would have seen them as well you know when you kind of die or when the game is loading or something you get those like little written interstitials mm-hmm. and it, it just like it can't wait to tell you that, that i can't remember the name of the terrorist group but they they have no political or religious ideology. They just believe yeah. that... So, you know what I mean? So they just take away this, like... They don't belong to a country because it's a fictional country. They're not any religion because it says so. They don't have, like, a, a, a kind of... Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? They don't have like an animosity and and a, and a, and a violence towards any specific. Well, and they don't have a history. You they know, don't they, have a history. That's right, true. There's like nothing inform. They don't have a culture. There's nothing informing them. I mean, they're just a mishmash, and it's. Yeah, I think I think so. Like the big thing I think about this is that it's frightening to me that you can understand they don't want to say this is Syria, and it's not always Syria. I've seen a lot of people be like, "This game is set in the fictional Syrian civil war," but the references just move all over the place, um, which I think is kind of noteworthy because it's. It does something similar to the 2007 Modern Warfare, but here it's used in a more pointed way, where it's saying here is just sort of this fever dream of what you know the the all caps Middle East is. This is this place mm. where you you don't understand anything, and the, there are good people there. Don't worry, there are some good people, but there are also a lot of people who are just just violent, and they are angry and they're sort of justified because look at someone's occupied them not us um and they're lashing out and they lash out sort of like nonsensically like they'll attack london and then they'll attack russia and they'll attack their own country um and it doesn't really matter what's been done to them in the past like they're not even a country you know they don't have Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) their own culture and religion and history uh they're just this this you know amorphous scary place um and that freaks me out that this Mm. isn't afghanistan or iraq or syria and then to also say here's russia but don't worry about what russia actually is as a country um and (laughs) and our relationships uh this is just your fear of russia inspired by kind of like red scare stuff Mm. mixed with like like fucking like nazi imagery Mm. and sort of like the whole russia thing in this game is like they're it's like some barkov is like some governor of a a colony somewhere in the world that gets no outside contact with anyone yet this game is calling itself modern warfare it's saying these are tense geopolitical situations and here's this, like, general who just runs a country like it's his own little fiefdom. Like, fucking Kurtz, you know? Um, mm. But anyway, I find that stuff spooky because <clears throat> when I try to, like, think and really follow through what the point it's trying to make is, if it's mad, and this this is a point you could make with your not Syria, if it's mad about Russia if it wants you to follow the lines of these thoughts and Russia does in the real world support Bashir al-Assad's dictatorship and which is a country and a, or a government that has, you know, committed horrible atrocities on its people, uh, with chemical weapons in cases. And it wants to call out Russia for that. But then it, blurs everything so it's not russia but then russia is also acting like america and britain and canada and france and germany and denmark and have acted in afghanistan and iraq like what what is this like none of this means anything and there's Mm -hmm. no it like almost encourages people to not think about the Mm -hmm. things they see on the news about the horror that they see in the world because i think the natural sorry i'm just like going on and i think the natural response when you see things about like the syrian civil war you see children fucking dying from being bombed by their own government and you see these things and the natural response i think should be what is going on here if i don't know because i need to figure this out because i'm ignorant and this is horrifying and this game seems to say like it's all the same shit Mm. what's been going on since the 20th century and like let's not talk about the reasons why the middle east is like this uh it's all the same shit and don't don't worry about it it's just it's horrifying and we'll figure it out if we kind of kill the right people long enough Mm. i don't know i think uh, no i think that's it i think that yeah i think all of the sort of national identities in this game are 
amorphous and kind of heterogeneous and, and like bland. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one thing that kind of brings that home to me, there's, <clears throat> do you remember, well, basically, I'll, I'll say it bluntly, no one ever says the word Islam in this game. No. Okay. No, of course not. Now, you, you've got characters who are wearing a hijab. You've got characters who are, you know, speaking Arabic. You've got sequences where, you know, you're you're buried under the rubble. You you, you start the level as this child buried under the rubble and you have to kind of dig your way out and your dad is there and he's, you know, he's grown his daddy and there's, there's kind of Arabic um, symbolism um, and Arabic signage. But no one ever says the word Islam because the game is like far too afraid to to assign like nationalities and assign identities and to kind of get real I think basically and it mm-hmm. really it really sort of it bothered me because what happens later in that level is your father your father dies and you sort of cradle him as he's dying and his final words to his two children in in Uzbekistan his final words to his two children are never back down which is such a kind of Western thing to say, like such a sort of Western fighting spirit. Now, you know, he doesn't say the Shahada. He doesn't remind his children to, you know, say their du'as or, or to, you know, follow the Prophet Muhammad or to remain faithful to, you know, what they've been raised to believe. Now, even though his wife is like, again, like a, a hijab-wearing woman and there's no ambiguity that this is taking place in the middle East and his children are called like Farrar and I can't remember the name of the the son. Um, no one ever says the word Islam. No one ever says the Shahada. There's never like the call to prayer. There's there's no. There's it's really really sort of disturbing. I think how, mm-hmm. like you were saying, how they 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 kind of rob this. They, they kind of use the imagery, they use the sort of tokens, they use the sort of aesthetic, but they, they, they take all the sort of individuality out of it. They take the sort of personhood away. They, you know, the, all of the characters become sort of totems and you know archetypes to the point where, yeah, it becomes um, sort of diffuse and dilute and, and, and sort of non-existent to the point where it becomes like ignorable. And I think that yeah, one of exa- you hit it right on the head. One of the problems is that you know, as a, as a Westerner, the person who's buying and playing Call of Duty, we may look at the news and think, well, you know, Syria, sure, like Iraq, like Afghanistan, like Iraq before that, and so on and so on. But and that we, is like that's an when irresponsible it's not attitude. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's a really irresponsible attitude. And I can't help but feel like modern warfare has a sort of belief in itself that it is like demystifying events and it is kind of turning a rock over but actually I think that what it's doing is is like you were saying it's it's kind of um, leveling all of this stuff and it, it is kind of I don't know heterogenize or homogenize or whichever one it may be basically it is it's rendering it all very sort of samey and unidentifiable and that is precisely I think the sort of western affliction if you like when it comes to this and also like the, the military mindset presumably that it's you know it's, it's another war it's, this is how we do it it's another war um well it's and and you compare that too with like it almost doesn't need to be said but you compare that to uh Urzikstan, uh somewhere in the middle east somewhere in the, the subcontinent i guess versus not even london not even england Piccadilly mm. Circus specifically, right? Like, mm, 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 like, mm. like this is. It's just like we can show you a district, or uh, I don't know how what you would call Piccadilly Circus, like a, a neighborhood. Not even right. No, it's if you've been there, it's it's where two streets intersect, but or three or four streets intersect. It's, so it's, an, it's a street, it's a junction. <laughs> yeah, like a crossroads. You know, like how much more mm. granular, which is like. <laughs> when you live in a city and someone says where do you live you name the junction of roads the cr- mm. <laughs> the crossroads so that's how specific down you know aside from an actual numerical address that's how willing they are to say here is this spot in london a specific city in a specific country um versus kind of middle east right just bull mm-hmm. just like <laughs> it's just it's I mean, it's obviously it's absurd, right? Like, I think most people would look at that and say, that's absurd. Um, but you just imagine what it would be like to... I guess we would just laugh at it because 
where the dominant in the West, or, I mean, the West is not super definitive, but say, you know, uh, an Iraqi team made a game about Europe and it's just fake countries and everyone speaks, I don't know, French, even though they're yeah. like wearing German clothes and it's just no, like no regard for the fact that, you know, these, these regions, like the difference when you meld, like, like you were saying, Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan within these countries, there are different languages and cultures and religions. And I don't know. And it, it just worries me a little bit. The idea of, I don't know, people will excuse some of what goes on in this game saying, well, you're, you're saying the Russians are responsible for things that historically like the way that they repurpose uh, there's a place name where the Russians are committing atrocities that is um, called Haditha Urzikstan, mm-hmm. which is an extremely loaded reference, right? To I, I I didn't catch that one really. Yeah, it's a place name in one of them, um, and Haditha obviously is. Uh, which year was it? Of two thousand and five. Yeah, and it was I think twenty five people, twenty four. Was it yeah, twenty four? civilians uh, yeah. murdered by the American Marines um, which is like one of the most notorious uh, crimes atrocities of, of the Iraq war and it's sort of you know shoved in here to make you think oh yeah Haditha I remember that that's a famous place name uh, from one of those Middle Eastern wars you know and they also have this is the one that was rightly being uh, brought around a lot uh, they have the highway of death in this yeah. which historically is uh the iraqi army was in retreat during the first gulf war um the highway i think it was it's like highway 40 or something they were moving out of kuwait and back into iraq and the worry i think for the coalition the american-led coalition was that they would regroup uh so I mean, you can debate this a lot, but they also had a train of refugees with them as well, the military. And uh, American, British, and Canadian, and French, I think, uh, forces bombed the highway and just enormous death and destruction. And it's, you know, one of the most enduring images of of the first Gulf War, of the horror of it. And here it's uh, the highway recreated... Um, just called the highway of death not given a specific name to say this is what we're referencing but it's obvious it's the same i think like six lane high out uh highway with uh, burned out cars on both sides and in the game it's the russians bombed uh retreating or or refugees i think trying to trying to leave the city or the country mm-hmm. and and that kind of stuff is just this really sort of insidious blending of fact and fiction into a new like it's dystopian it's it's a more sort of convenient truth I think do you remember how I think we've talked in the past about how Wolfenstein sort of washes America's hands of the nuclear bomb yeah I think that you may argue that a similar phenomenon is taking place here I thought about that a lot with this game um I, I think this a lot of the things that disturb me in this game disturb me in the same sense as as those uh, those two newer Wolfenstein mm. games. I've, mm. I've just sort of like I don't know. Historical fiction is tricky, and historical fiction often says a lot about the people who are writing it, even if they don't think it is. And I think Wolfenstein and and this game both kind of like show this even though Wolfenstein is made by a is it Swedish studio? Mm, yes uh, but this sort of thing of, of shifting responsibilities and, and just kind of reconfiguring the past so it's more closely resembles our own you know propaganda the things we want to believe right mm. but I don't know are there other specific things we want to touch on? Because I know you don't 
I've only got about uh, a few minutes left before I need to I need to stop. I think that the only other thing that I talk about is is maybe a little more trivial than what we've talked about so far, and it's something that you actually hinted towards when we started the episode, which is this idea of modern warfare. This one as a, I guess, reboot. Hmm. And did you see that new Halloween film? Yeah, I did actually. Okay, so I don't know if you if you remember. But obviously, it, it abandons the continuity of the sort of uh, um, the the in between Halloween films and says that it's a direct sequel to Halloween One, the John Carpenter movie. But it still has lots of scenes in it that reference scenes from the other Halloween films. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a lot of the murders are kind of not exactly copied, but certainly riffing on, if you like, um, death scenes from you know Halloween Two, Three, whatever. So it becomes not so much a reboot as this strange kind of best of, um, or like a you know a remix, if you like. I think that that's what you get in this game, which is there's you know the Sergeant Griggs character for Modern Warfare pops up and is sort of referenced. Um, the the closing scene, the you know the ending cutscene is like just a just a kind of combination punch. Of yeah, references to other Call of Duty. You know, it's like oh, Kyle Garrick. Yeah, they call him Gaz because like Gaz was a fan favorite character in the original Modern Warfare. Oh, there's this guy we're going to hire for Tax Force One Four One. Oh, for Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, his name's Soap, and we've also got this yeah. guy Ghost. Because and it's just it's just like every well, and and Zakir comes back and they show yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, what's his name from the beginning of Modern Warfare? The oh, uh, Al Assad. Yeah, who? No, that's. Oh the actual guy no that's that's his name in in oh Warfare. it is it is isn't it yeah the you know Khaled he's, al-assad he's pretty recognizable he's got the aviators and like the uh the beret and the desert eagle yeah and he shows up at the beginning or the end of this game right to say yeah to which execute, is executing someone with the desert eagle in a very similar way that he's introduced in the uh original modern warfare which is sort of it's just bewildering right but at well, least I th- Halloween had like almost forty years of distance. I think that it's 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 just emblematic of what we've been talking about this entire episode, which is that essentially what you have is a game that that promises newness and promises a, a, a fresh perspective, you know, and maybe a more like objective or more challenging or a perspective that basically we've we've never been forced to have before. But actually, it is simply repackaging. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's not a reboot. This isn't really like a new Call of Duty. It's not a new version of Modern Warfare. It's just a, 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 a rearranged one. Um, one thing that's unfortunate too is that when you hold it against Modern Warfare 2007, which actually and has a lot of the same problems in terms of lifting scenes from movies uh, directly and having this indistinct Middle East but manages to take those things and make them turn into a greater whole. Like the surgical killers, the special ops in, in original Modern Warfare, I think communicate more than this game does, even with this game belaboring the point about moral ambiguity. And, you know, in in the other one, you, you get, I think, more pointed references to that they're specifically evoking the Iraq War. Um mm-hmm. Anyway, there, there's a lot of... That's like a whole other conversation in itself, but I don't think this game does itself favors by by uh, associating itself so closely with a game that I think tackled a lot of the same stuff. Like, uh, what's it called? The gunship mission in 2007 Modern Warfare. Death from Above. I think probably in just that level, uh, there's more communicated and more that's thought-provoking and frightening and kind of chilling um, in that one level than I, I think this entire game accomplished. Mm. Yeah, I think so too. I think that that level really um, acts as a vertical slice, a synecdoche for what a lot of the Call of Duty games <clears throat> have tried to do thereafter. That game's um, just firing on all cylinders, the 2007 one. I, I think it's really I think. great. I, 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 I really... I think it's good that everyone dies at the end, and I, I hate the way that they wrote yeah. back on that in the sequel. Um, you know, I love the sort of despair in those final moments of that game. 
and the, the bum note that it, well not bum note, but you know, the, the minor note that it ends on. Um, Until the the rap song sung by, mm. or the, what is it? <laughs> it's like the rap by the, like, I forget what that guy's name is. Griggs. Is that Griggs? That's Griggs. Yeah. That's um, not not a great... <laughs> and then you, yeah, and then you go to Modern Warfare Two, and all the characters survived, and it's there's the whole like Red Dawn thing again with the Russians, and it such a shame. It um, gets mixed up. It does. One, it gets confused. One thing I did want to say before we go about this, when I was, I think it would take a long time to talk in depth about, which feels like a bit of a shame, but to talk as in depth as I'd like to about the things that did work for me in this game. But I do think. Um, I've kind of advocated for a long time with Call of Duty or or not advocated I guess advocated I write things online sometimes um, have really wanted these games to not sanitize what they're showing as much as they have in the past um, I think like stuff like in that Call of Duty World War 2 uh, it wasn't you know, that game as a whole wasn't great, but I like that they had a sequence where you have to, like, take a German girl out of an occupied, like, a out of a combat zone. I like things in these games that remind you that, that what they're showing is not just clean. Like, it's not just, um, like, a deathmatch online where it's mm. soldiers versus soldiers and, and that's it. Like, I, I think it's maybe important and doesn't happen a lot that games and movies about war kind of show you that these are these aren't just like combat arenas where everyone's gone that these are places that Mm. have that were or are homes animals live there too and there's like old important buildings and history and all this stuff is getting destroyed and wrapped up in everything like i think it's something important that is counter to what you know traditionally war is is sold as which is like this adventure Mm -hmm. i think it's it's important to show that these kind of conflicts are like horrible and messy and they destroy lives and they take things away from the world that can never be replaced you know physically and and uh, intellectually as well with you know ideas and actual like historical artifacts and not to mention you know the lives that are lost of people who have nothing whatsoever to do with not even joining the military have to do with this and i think this game does move closer toward being kind of showing that to, to mm-hmm. making the game feel not as just clear-cut fun um which I think is valuable. And I do think there's something to all of that, even though I don't think it's handled well in the end, that is worth remembering that this game did and kind of hoping that more war games will will kind of have that willingness to, to show how awful this kind of stuff is. If I... The only the, the thing that I I'd, I'd say kind of against that is that I feel like the body count in this game was higher than any Call of Duty I've played for a long time. I feel like I killed a lot of people, which is uh, saying something. In remember, Call of Duty. remember Call of Duty World War Two? Like it feels like that one was just like a grinder. Oh, this one felt even the, the embassy level at the end where you're defending. Oh yeah, that was just like you know, ducks in a barrel. It was one one after another. Um, and I felt that life became very cheap <laughs> in I mean maybe that's the point but I don't think that that is the point I, I think that it just no. you know has no just throws enemies at you and um, becomes very sort of arcade-ish uh, and I, but I, I'm with you I mean I, I, I'd like to think that anybody who's invested in making a, a shooter about war would play this game and take away what you've just described but I fear that what in my experience what happens in video games is that they'll they'll take away you know uh, everything that we've been talking about as a negative um, 
and you know try and be sort of controversial but but in that in that toothless way because that's what I think I see from games mm-hmm. consistently um, yeah no I two steps forward and five steps back I'm not optimistic but I <laughs> but I just be. I just felt like it's it's worth you know something that for a long time I've thought or have have wanted to see these games lean into more and mm. and I am glad that in, in some way that this game at least shows that they're willing to be a little less like they're willing to sort of lower the volume at times and to show kind of the mess I like when these games uh, are no because that's just saying you like the contra- I don't like the controversy in these games because it's manufactured I think and like you said kind of it's controversy for the sake of exciting controversy without actually meaning much without mm-hmm. like saying anything too interesting um, so it's kind of just hollow but I do think these games when they aren't afraid you know they're like they're like the biggest games ever and people are going to fucking buy them no matter what they put in them so like take a stance you know have an opinion and mm-hmm. and be willing in these like you know and the multiplayer is going to be what it is obviously um so i don't think they should be so worried about offending people no i agree but you know that's that's uh any project with this much money attached to it yeah. just like movies is kind of safe ed i know you well, had to go so i don't did, was i there, do i do have sorry. to go uh um, the sound is good in this game the sound was good and um no, there are things I liked about it as well. I just can't conjure them right now. But um, I, I would. I, I think the difference between this and uh, Call of Duty WW2 is that I would tell people that they ought to play this one for themselves, um, and that it is worth looking at. Yeah, there's that's maybe that's the better way of saying a large part of what I liked about it is I think this game is at least something I wouldn't blanket recommend to people. I don't think it's good. I think all the stuff we were talking about is takes away a recommendation but i think if you're playing games and you want to think about what they're doing mm-hmm. i think this one at least has stuff that needs to be chewed on mm. um and talked about and and in a way that's more interesting than well what do you expect it's call of duty because i don't know these games are big and i think they reflect a lot of the kind of gloopy nauseous stew cultural stew that kind of produces them right indeed you got to look what's in the stew you got to look what's in the stew um so we'll wrap up now uh ed where can people, where can people find you you can't i'm not on the internet anymore i'm gone you're living in the analog world i am i am i've got acoustic well i will say cuz you probably won't anyway but there is a lot of good ed stuff uh, specifically on bullet points monthly and okay hero i'm proud of that book mm. i think i think i was looking at the cover again that's a really good cover i can say that mm, because really because, good cover. because we commissioned <laughs> yeah um yeah. ed has a lot of good pieces on bullet points monthly though uh there's going to be some stuff happening to the site pretty soon that should make it better and a little bit different trying to figure things out uh, of the best way to run that thing without me running myself into the ground. So there's some stuff that's been going on with uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff that uh, to kind of reconfigure little bits of it and make it more manageable and to make it more exactly the site that I think we always wanted it to be and that I want it to be going forward. Uh, other than that, though, there's... A lot of stuff right now. There's a month, or I should say first, there's a lot of old podcasts you can go and listen to. Uh, There's a Patreon, which uh, needs your support. Just kind of cut and dry if it it doesn't sort of pick up more over the next, I don't know, uh, relatively short period of time. It it really does kind of call into question whether it's worth continuing to do this stuff because... I guess to put it simply, I'm a freelance writer and and time I spend not paying myself 
to do this kind of work is is time that uh you know i i lose money by doing this site essentially and that's kind of always been the case as ed would know except for you got a great bailout package <laughs> you got a great your severance was mm. was considerable we do have a very strong union that's uh <laughs> run yeah, by I really, an ai I really took you to the cleaners yeah. yeah that's part of why things are a little bit rough right now is uh <laughs> Yeah, Ed really nickel and dimed us, took everything to get. Uh, so yeah, Patreon, patreon.com slash bullet points is that to keep the site going. And uh, otherwise, there's a month going on right now about Disco Elysium, which is, I think, uh, I'll, I'll wait another few weeks, but definitely one of the best games of the year. Um, Ed, you can't play it. It's on personal computer. Sorry. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so Disco Elysium, month of that going up. First article, I think by the time you hear this, is up by me. And second article will be by Josh Calixto of Bad End, who I'm also doing a kind of collaborative podcast with him and Kyle Kirkstall of, of Bad End about Disco Elysium. And then there will be an article by Maddie Chilton. Remember Maddie from Kill Screen? Ed. Um... And Chris Bro. Yes, I remember Chris. I hope you remember Chris because we've run several of his articles before. Anyway, I think I think that's it. Ed, mm. what do you want to leave the people with? I don't have anything profound, really, to say except that I war is hell. War is hell, <laughs> and it's also quite expensive. It's fifty pounds. That is expensive. Uh, Ed, you and I will do some more stuff, though, in the future. Undoubtedly. Um, just because Ed has freed himself from the the shackles of <laughs> being an editor of <laughs> Bullet Points Monthly doesn't mean that uh, when, it, when it makes sense that... Ed, I still like talking to you. Oh, I'll, I'll put that on the record. Read. So, I think that's it. Mm. Uh, BulletPointsMonthly.com patreon.com slash bullet points see you next time see you